0: Good morning church. Good morning. I gotta say I'm sorry right up front. I gotta apologize. Cause y'all y'all did good. Y'all have got a football game to watch here in a couple minutes and uh, and then y'all showed up and we were talking about mourning. Like blessed are the mourners and death and I, I literally I woke up this morning and I, I was like, Who in the heck picked Blessed are the mourners to talk and talk on and then I realized it was me who picked it. And uh So, Anyway, uh, I want to tell y'all, this this message is going to be a little tough for me. Um, My wife will tell you that I don't do real good at feelings. I like to put them in a box and, you know, packing tape and write with it on Sharpie and put it in the attic and not have to think about that stuff. And um, I'll tell you a full story on this sometime because it's a real good story. But I'll zoom in on just this one little part where I, I wanted to surprise Mitzi and take her to... Mexico for an anniversary and I didn't tell her anything like we just I said get your bag let's go and then we took her to the airport so I was trying to keep the surprise going and I asked her to sit way way far away from the check-in counter and I'm in line and she's watching me and I'm in line and it wasn't until I got into line that I realized oh to go to Mexico I'm gonna need a passport (laughs) see she usually does all the planning but the part I wanted to tell on this story is that she told me later that she was watching me from all the way across the deal, and she goes, I could tell something in your body language changed, and I could tell you were upset and you were real worried. Um, so she's got a gift for seeing emotion in other people, and I don't have a gift for that. She'll, she'll be mad at me, and it'll take me a whole week to realize that she's trying to tell me she's mad at me. She's sending me all these signals. And then it takes me a whole other week to figure out why I was in trouble. Um so it's gonna be a, a tough one for me and, and honestly as I was preparing this message I I felt a little bit like a guy who's terrible at driving a tractor, reading a instruction manual for driving a tractor, getting ready to teach you how to drive a tractor. So we might all be in a lot of trouble this morning. Um but I mean I, I never feel I never feel like an expert when I'm up here. But this morning, I'm feeling um, a little less uh, equipped than usual. Um, So blessed are the mourners is our uh, beatitude that we're going to dig into. And it's a tough one for me personally, but it's also just a hard beatitude to wrestle with. Blessed are the mourners, for they will be comforted. It's Matthew 5, 4. The, The beatitude is saying, happy are the mourners, Happy are the sad. And it's not even just saying happy are the sad. It's saying uh, this, this word mourners in the Greek was the most powerful word available to use. Because what it meant was is to, to, to wail, to, to feel deeply the loss of someone deeply loved. And so this is the word that they chose when he said, blessed are those who mourn. And it's probably good to remind ourselves that the word blessed doesn't really cleanly translate to happy. It's more like happy without the hap, right? So happy without the relying on happenstance or happy without what's happening. But even still, blessed are those that mourn is tough to wrestle with. And so I want to try to accomplish just two really simple things this morning. One, I want to... Because here, here's the thing, not only is Jesus saying blessed are those who mourn, it appears as if the context is he's inviting us into mourning. So first, I want us to examine the type of mourning that Jesus is inviting us into, and then second, I want us to spend some time reflecting on what the promise is. Jesus' promise is that comfort is coming. So blessed are the mourners, for they will be comforted. Um, The first thing I believe that Jesus invites us to mourn is to mourn our sin. He invites us to mourn all the ways that we've made mistakes and all the ways that we've fallen short of the glory of God. And to mourn the price it costs to bring us back into relationship. Now, I want to be careful because the invitation is into mourning. The invitation is not into sorrow. Sorrow cannot be counted. Mourning, it's very clear what was lost. To sorrow is to wail. To sorrow is to wallow. To sorrow is to have no hope. But to mourn, is to regret and to feel real pain. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I like the way I've heard Laura use this phrase before and, and it, it works here. She she likes to say, We are Sunday morning people. We are washed in mercy and blessed by grace. And we should and we do live into that mercy and live into that grace. But there is no joy of Sunday morning without Good Friday and the cross. So Jesus invites us in to mourn first our sin. I think symbolically a good way to think about how we live this out is on Ash Wednesday, the way that we receive our ashes We don't wallow in the ash. We don't pour it over our heads like they did in the Old Testament. We receive our ashes with our heads held high. And as soon as that soot touches our skin, it makes the sign of the cross. Jesus invites us in to mourn the price. He invites us to watch him and feel the courage it must have took to stand up and be tried for crimes not committed. He invites us to feel the lashings and the thorns and the sword and the humiliation that he took on behalf of us. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Jesus invites us to mourn our sin, and I believe he also invites us to mourn with others. I ran across a Facebook post a week or so ago, and there's a woman in our church who's about to have eye surgery. And what she wrote in the post was she was not only was asking for prayer but she was also asking for resources and information because one of the things she said about this surgery with the eye surgery, she's gonna have to lay face down and keep her head face down for a week or so. And and that struck me, not only because I know this person a little bit, but also because my mom had a similar surgery and I remember after it how discouraging it was to have to lay face down like that because it's tough to watch TV and it's hard to read a book and. It's a lonely feeling to be down, face down. But what struck me most about this Facebook post was one of the replies of another woman in our church who said, I don't have any information or resources to give you, but what I can do is I can come lay down on the floor with you, and we can talk. And I thought, that's exactly it. That's exactly what it looks like and feels like when we mourn with other people, is that when we are face down and we are hurting and we cannot get up, that there will be people around us who will lay down on the floor with us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And if we're going to be a people who will lay down on the floor with others, we have to let other people lay down on the floor with us. We have to resist living into a culture of good and you, right? How you doing? Good and you? There may be other communities where there's pressure to be awesome all the time, but that's not this place. If you look to your left, you're going to find somebody who's struggling with something. If you look to your right, you're going to find somebody who's struggling with something. If you look up here, you're going to find somebody who's struggling with something. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I, um, I found out earlier this year that my, my dad has Parkinson's disease. And of all the places to find out about it, uh, I was walking through the Las Vegas airport. I was headed back from a work conference. And my mom called and wanted to tell me, and I could tell she was upset, and she didn't know I was in an airport. Um, But I had a couple of hours to kill before my flight. So there I was. I'm sitting in the Las Vegas airport, and I'm sitting at the Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville bar, literally with a tear in my beer. I know that's not the same artist. (laughs) And if I look back at those couple hours at the airport, honestly, I'm a little embarrassed. Um, I I tear up real easy, but I don't cry real hard very often. I can count on one hand the number of times that I've cried like that. And um, I was a mess. But my dad's okay. Like, Parkinson's has medicine, and he's on medication now, and... He's gonna live a full, healthy, long life. But in that couple hours, I was really, really hurt um, by my dad, my hero, being struck down by this illness. And um, I was hurting because I didn't know what I didn't know about how it would affect the quality of his life. And he's been healthy for the majority of my life. So this was the first time I really had to think about the idea. That he may not be around forever, and I called Mitzi and I cried a little bit more, and I called my sisters and I cried a little bit more, and I pulled myself together and I'm walking to my gate, I'm feeling okay. And who would I see but another a coworker? My coworker, her name is Laverne. And of all the people to run into in the airport in Las Vegas, Laverne from Lubbock. She's older, she's close to retirement, and she's just been one of these people at work that's always been really kind to me, very encouraging. And in a time when I wasn't walking openly in my faith, she was talking to me openly about hers. And I wanted to put on my good and new face and just walk on past. But something made me stop. And I told Laverne what was going on, and I cried, and Laverne cried. And she prayed for me, and there was comfort and strength. Wasn't expecting comfort and strength to come from Laverne, from Lubbock, but comfort came. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There's a, there was a man uh, named Horatio Spafford. He was a prominent lawyer in Chicago in the 1870s. And Horatio had a family. He had a wife and he had five kids, a son and, and four daughters. And in 1871, um, there was the Great Chicago Fire. And Horatio lost his place of business and he'd been doing well for himself, so he'd invested in a lot of property in Chicago, and the fire wiped out all of his investments. Later that same year, 1871, Horatio lost his son, at age four years old, to scarlet fever. Two mournful years later, 1873, Horatio felt like the family needs a break and so he sent him back home to Europe for a vacation. He sent his wife and his four girls, ages 11, 9, 5, and 2, ahead of him while he finished up business back at home. And on November 22nd, 1873, their ship was struck by a cargo ship. And his wife survived, but his four daughters along with 200 passengers on that ship, were lost too. And then Horatio packed up his things and sailed across the ocean to be with his wife. The story goes that it was on this ship that he wrote the words to this song. When peace, like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I don't understand that kind of strength. I don't understand that comfort. When I was a boy, um, I had a best friend. My best friend's name was Jared. And Jared used to bike over to my house. And it was about a 10 to 15 minute bike ride. And I don't know why I wouldn't busy myself doing other things. I could have played Nintendo or I could have watched Saved by the Bell on TV. But I didn't. I, I would get into the window and I would watch and wait for Jared to get there and it just felt like an eternity for him to arrive and my mom and dad they had in the living room there's like two big um, upholstered chairs the high backs and both in the bay windows and I would get on my knees and put my arms over the thing and I would look out the window and wait for Jared and then I would pop to the next chair and I would look over here trying to see which direction he was going to come from And every once in a while, the thought would run through my head that, what if Jared doesn't show up? But he always came. He was always there. And if there's a takeaway to this message at all, it's that no matter how bad it hurts or how deep the loss, comfort is coming. We can get on our knees and put our arms over the back of the chair, and we can look out the window, and we can know that comfort is coming. I'm going to close on this last story. I have another coworker at work. Um, his name is Matt, and he's got a relative who lost her son this year. Um, her name is Jenny. Jenny's son's name was Bryce. Bryce is 19 years old. Uh, He was a student here in Austin at ACC. Bryce loved to snowboard. He loved to skateboard. And in the summers, Bryce loved to go down to San Marcos, to the river, and swim in the falls. And in July, Bryce flipped into the falls like he had done 100 times before, And this time, he struck his head, and he died almost instantly of head trauma. A week later, Bryce's mom, Jenny, and her husband went to visit the falls, and Matt shared with me this Facebook post that she wrote about that experience. My husband and I just visited the falls and I had to wade in and swim out into the current. I thought that there would be pain and there would be guilt. I thought maybe I would just sink under and lay down on the bottom of the river forever. But there was peace. It surpasses understanding, it comforts, it brings clarity and hope. God is so good in the midst of this tragedy. He whispered through the canopy of the trees that this is where Bryce met him face to face. This is where his spirit left the earth and joined the heavenly host. Praise God for his mercies that are new every day. I can't even begin to understand this strength. I can't even begin to understand that comfort. But I can believe that he made a promise that comfort is coming. Comfort is coming, and maybe it's going to be a friend who will lay down on the floor after surgery and just talk. Maybe it's going to be Laverne from Lubbock as you're walking through the Vegas airport. Maybe comfort is coming in the solitude of a ship, pen to paper, in praise and song. Maybe comfort is coming in the beauty of the trees in the San Marcos River. But comfort is coming. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let's pray. God, we come before you today, and we Marvel at the gift of your son. And we feel the weight of that cost. God, thank you. God, today, this morning, we open up our boxes and we lay before you all of our hurts, all of our mourning, and know that you invite us there. Not to ignore it. Not to put our good in you face on. Not to push it aside. But to feel it. Because we know that when we feel it. That you've made us a promise. That comfort will come. And God this morning I want to lift up Jenny. As she mourns her son. And God, the Facebook posts have stopped and the meal services have stopped. But today, tomorrow, next month, this next year, she'll need your comfort all the more. And God, we rely on your comfort. Amen. Amen.